Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you here on a Wednesday edition of the program. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. That's our telephone number. 505-6009. As we get going here on the program. Uh, Big show for you today as well. Jay Jaffe coming up in about 20 minutes to talk a little baseball and beer. And then in our 5 o'clock hour, super excited about this. Tyler Campbell. If the last name sounds familiar, and the first name sounds familiar, it should. The son of Hall of Fame running back Earl Campbell. Tyler Campbell is going to be joining us here on Sports Talk today. He wrote a book about you know his life story. Super emotional. He um, He's a speaker. He has his own sports radio show in Austin. And uh, Tyler is going to join us uh, coming up a little bit on the program. So, yeah, I- I'm excited about today's show, Adrian. Should be a lot of fun, and we'll take everybody up till 7 o'clock. Big show, Steve, and it's a big week of sports. I think everybody still has Cowboys 49ers on their mind, rightfully so. Everybody's gearing up for that big game that's coming up Sunday afternoon on Fox. And then uh, sandwiched in between NFL action is going to be UTEP basketball action. So locally, a lot of sports going on here, uh, especially with the women's basketball team as well. They're going to be on the road taking on FIU, FAU as well. So uh, big weekend uh, here in sports. We have to remember one thing, okay? And that is, before we get ready for the nationally ranked uh, FAU Owls, we still have the FIU Panthers coming here tomorrow uh, evening at the Haskins Center. In fact, I'll be there tomorrow. I'm excited about this game and looking forward to going and, uh, and watching a little UTEP hoops. Me too, Steve. Um, I'm very excited about it. We, I was at practice right now. Uh, heard from head coach Joe Golding talk about not overlooking FIU and talking about their elite guard play that they've had as of late. Now, I don't want to. Sh- I don't want to say too much about this team who's eight and ten. I mean, let's yeah. not call them like the greatest team out there. But they're kind of like UTEP in the sense that they play everybody very closely. Um, you know, that's uh, it's really resembled by their home overtime loss to nationally ranked Florida Atlantic just about you know a week and a half ago and. That's impressive right there for the Panthers going up against their their uh, their arch nemesis right there uh, in uh, FAU. Now, we'll see what happens when they come here to the Haskins Center. They don't shoot the three ball particularly well, just like UTEP. And uh, let's see how the Miners can lock down defensively to try to stop the, the Panthers and try to win back-to-back. Yeah, the truth is this, okay, before we worry about the nationally ranked team, they've got to take care of business tomorrow. That's the That's the game that really kind of sets the tone for Saturday, doesn't it? Yeah, I also look at two past wins, uh, very quality wins that FIU had over the course of their conference slate. They beat Charlotte and they beat UAB earlier this stretch. So um, this team can win tight games. They've been in a lot of close games. And, um, you know, they're kind of like UTEP in a sense that they've been a part of these games. They're not the best in terms of their offense, but they could bring, you know, they could bring a, a little bit of a surprise to the Miners tomorrow if they're not ready. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and and uh, this is such a big one for UTEP. And by the way, okay, so you know, I went to the uh, coaches' show last night at Moon Tower. Was talking to some people that were there, and we were talking about you know the crowds this week. And the the consensus is is that if UTEP plays well tomorrow, they've got a chance to have a pretty good crowd Saturday. And like, what does that mean? Like, like good crowd? I don't even know because. When you're when you're drawing thirty seven hundred for a basketball game, what's a good crowd on a Saturday night these days? Five thousand, six thousand, 
6,500. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, listen, and this is this is not about the this is not about the people. It's not about the fans. Okay, this really is not. This has nothing to do with them. And and we're not going to be here telling you you have to go. This is a must if you're a UTEP fan. None of that. None of that stuff. Listen, at this point, you know, if fans want to go watch, they'll go watch. It's it's as simple as that. I mean, if they don't want to watch them, they're going to stay home, or they're going to watch it on ESPN Plus or CUSA TV or whatever whatever platform is uh, is televising the game Saturday. But I, I started thinking about this because you know, in the old days, when like five years ago, when you had a big game, you could pretty much pencil in, you know, seven to ten for a big one, right? That was just that was kind of a if the team was playing well. And you had a marquee game. You knew seven to ten would be in the house. Now, I mean, what five, maybe a little over would probably be considered a, a pretty good crowd on a Saturday night. And it's not an indictment of El Pasoans or even UTEP. It's just the reality of what it's like. When you have a basketball team that's a little over 500 and you know has has had its ups and its downs and when you have a program that right now is not as relevant as they've been in the past it is so difficult to expect any more than that right now Adrian and that's why it's not about getting on the fans and trying to guilt them into going or get mad. Um, we've done those shows. We're past those shows. I believe that if and when UTEP becomes a consistent winner again, the fans will come. But until then, you can't expect more than what you're getting right now. Yeah, you're definitely right, Steve. I, I looked 10 years ago, uh, just 10 years ago with the UTEP basketball team. By the way, they were 18 and 14. Head coach Tim Floyd was still at the helm, of course. Uh, they drew an average of 8,490 fans. That's just 10 years ago. And it's kind of crazy to think when you're just reflecting back on how many how many uh, people actually went to the Haskins Center to watch the Miners night after night. If you look three years ago, or, you know, four, yeah, three seasons ago, the 2019-2020 season, uh, that was the strong year under, well, it was a lot of talented uh, guys on that Rodney Terry squad. They averaged 5,311 fans. So you could just see the drop-off over years. We're talking about uh, almost 9,000 fans a decade ago. And then when you look just uh, from the previous regime, you're talking about 5,300 fans. That's probably the number... Uh, uh, if UTEP does things right or if they stay kind of above 500, that's probably the number that will come watch uh, the Miners night after night on these Saturday games. Yeah, that's 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 an accurate, uh, I guess, an accurate total uh, since you know, we're talking 10 years ago. We had a question a little while ago, Adrian. This was brought up by um, one of our listeners. It was um, A through Z at ZMonsters underscore 20. Tweets the show. Do you think it has something to do with conference affiliation? I don't think um, uh, conference affiliation is entirely to blame. 
but I do believe that they would definitely have more fans if they were in the Mountain West. It's interesting, right? Because the Mountain West draws so many fans night after night. Like they have a great, they have great attendance numbers when you compare them to other mid-major conferences like Conference USA. But I, I don't know, Steve. It's so interesting. Sometimes I think, well, you know, maybe fans would be more inclined to watch teams that they're more familiar or opposing teams that they're, you know, that they remember from years past in days of the WAC or days of, you know, the, the border, the border conference. But for the miners nowadays, maybe the familiarity is not there for some of these fans to get them out to the Haskins Center uh, to watch the minors. Uh, I I will say this, though. That excuse didn't hold true this past fall when UTEP football hosted Boise State out of the Mountain West. That's a marquee matchup right there. No one showed up on a Friday night. It is um, because that's just the reality of the situation when you talk about, you know, where these programs are at this point. It's just, uh, it's tough. It is. And... You know, we, we discuss it so much on this program. We always do. I, I'm just not sure how much different it would be. Look, if UTEP was winning Conference USA, and let's just say UTEP was New Mexico State, right? They dominate CUSA the way NMSU dominates the WAC. Oh, they would be getting at least an average of probably seven to to ten a game. I mean they just would if they were if they were doing that over the last ten years. But they're not. I mean UTEP has not been to an NCAA tournament in thirteen years. Okay? They haven't won a tournament game in thirty one years. Thirty one years. That's how long it's been. So, you know, the truth is this as much as it hurts to say, outside of El Paso, it's it's not relevant right now for this program. They're just not. The basketball program is not relevant. They compete like everybody else, and you know they 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 give you everything they have, but on a on a national scale, I mean, UTEP hasn't been relevant in a long, long time. They just haven't been. And I do think they'll get there. I mean, I'm not I'm not one of these naysayers that's going to say it's never going to happen again. Adrian, I do believe they're going to get there. I, I just don't know when. That's the hard part right now. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I feel for the fans because they've been through so much over the years, so much that, you know, they deserve better. They just do. I mean, you know, the fact that the women have been to the NCAA tournament twice in less than 10 years and have a tournament win to show for it is kind of uh, is is just the reality of the situation when it comes to, to UTEP basketball. You're right, and I feel like for Conference USA, which is always going to be a one-bid league, it doesn't really matter how you play in the regular season. doesn't matter how how uh, you know well you actually put together a roster. All that really matters is that tournament itself, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of interesting because this team could be 500 for the rest of the year, but if they get hot in Frisco late in the season and make a run for the CUSA tournament, well, they have a shot for the NCAA uh, tournament, and then there will be a lot of fans who didn't even get a chance to watch them at home this past season. Just like it was against Boise, right? They beat Boise, get their biggest win 
in God knows how many years, non-conference especially. Oh, my God. I can't think of the last time they had a non-conference win like that. And it was like the BYU game in the mid-'80s. Nobody was there to watch it. But everybody will tell you they were there. Sure they will. <laughs> and that's the same thing for this team. They'll say that they uh, watch Joe Golding, they support the minors. But, uh, yeah, it's just – it's real interesting, and it's weird, Steve. I I mean, I've covered UTEP for – this is like seven, eight years now. And I remember there was uh, a lot of fans those first few years, 2015, 2016, a lot of fans watching that, that team win or lose. It didn't matter. It, yeah. They really supported that team hoping that uh, UTEP basketball would turn the corner at some point. I think a lot of that was because of Tim Floyd. I really do. Yeah. I mean, there were so many fans that gave Tim years, years to go watch his team play because it was Tim back there at the Haskins Center, and they believed that eventually, you know, he would turn the corner with the program, and they wanted to be there to watch that. Um, I really do think that. But remember, lots happened in the last six, seven years. The Portal, NIL, streaming television, which sounds funny, but it's the truth. I mean, you know, it's more it's it's more common than ever before, and all the other things going on and things happening. It's just it, it's tough, and you know, you can say all you want about UTEP marketing this, UTEP marketing that, but ultimately, it comes down to having a winner, and when you have a winner, the fans come. And when you don't have a winner, the reality is you draw your 3,500, 4,000, 5,000 fans per game. That's just and, – and by the way, UTEP is leading the conference. So how about that, all right? You know, as tough as it is around here, that's – imagine what it's like in these other places. What a, what a disaster that is. Yeah, and I mean, going back to the AZ tweet uh, and just what you said right there, if UTEP was in a conference kind of like NMSU in the WAC, they were winning that conference title year after year, I don't know, maybe there would be more fans, even though the quality of opponent would be much less than it is right now in Conference USA, but at least they're winning at that level. El Paso wants a winner, Adrian. Right. That's what it's all about. El Pasoans care about a winner. We've seen that over and over and over again. If these programs won consistently, went to the postseason, and did well, there would you would not be having this discussion right now when it comes to the fans. You just wouldn't. It'd be a totally different situation. Right, because you're, we're talking about average to below average basketball right now over the last decade. Exactly right. Okay, that's how we're going to start the show. Nice uplifting topic to get us going here on a Wednesday. Nothing like it, right? You feel great for the next two hours and 45 minutes since we're really off to a flying start. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little baseball and beer with Jay Jaffe next. So stay with us. Sports Talk continues right after Charlie won. And our first traffic update of what has been a cold, a cold Wednesday afternoon here in El Paso as the cold front has moved in. Charlie, how is that affecting traffic? Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. 21 now past the hour. It's time to talk a little baseball and beer with this man. He's uh, Jay Jaffe. Joins us every week from Fangraphs.com. And uh, looking forward to our weekly conversation. Jay, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks, Jay. Doing very well. And, um, you know, we're getting closer and closer now to the start of spring training and pitchers and catchers reporting. And if there's one constant over these last few weeks, the New York Mets continue to spend Spend and spend. Tommy Pham, a one-year, $6 million deal today with New York. And I understand, Jay, that the 
um, New York uh, salary, at least the for uh, what uh, the payroll for uh, 2023, 364 million as we stand, and another 93 million dollars in taxes. So that means the Mets are up to um, about 453. Uh, What's that? 50. Like seven million dollars in in payroll. That's that's incredible. Yeah, it is. Well, you know the the CBA was created with uh, uh, Steve Cohen in mind. Um, you know the the uh, the the third. I'm uh, sorry, the fourth tier tax, uh, the the so called Cohen tax, um, because they anticipated that the richest owner in the game was going to spend uh, a lot of money, and and here he is. And um, you know, I in this case, I, I don't know Tommy Pham. I'm not sure that's who I would have spent my six million on, but um, you know, there's there's probably still some upside there. He's had uh, uh, some big seasons in the past. He's had a lot of injuries lately too. Um, has uh, uh, wasn't wasn't all that good uh, this past year with Cincinnati and Boston. Has had some issues uh, off the field as well. Um, most notably, that uh, uh, that that uh, Jock Peterson, but yeah, weird squabble over fantasy football. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I think in it's it's certainly possible for him to, for him to help this team, and I don't think the Mets want to leave any stone unturned in terms of trying to build uh, a winning ball club. No, and now they're getting to the point where they can actually start adding like lefty-righty specialists. I mean, that's what it is, right? You got Vogelbach as your DH, and now maybe you decide to have uh, Tommy Fan as, as as kind of that um, right-handed version of a Vogue. Yeah, they, yeah, they can you know they can do some platoon stuff. I mean, look. Their payroll would have been even higher if if they'd completed the Carlos Correa deal, but uh, um, you know, and likewise their tax. So uh, this is this is uh, a pittance compared to that. That's true. That's true. Uh, meanwhile, Adam Duvall to the Red Sox, one year, seven million dollars. Look, Jay, they're not making up for losing JD Martinez. I think that's pretty obvious. Although Justin Turner was not a bad move at all, and now um, you know Adam Duvall. Uh, relatively cheap deal, and maybe they'll be able to get 20, 25 home runs out of him. Yeah, I, you know, look, I like Turner a lot more than, than J.D. Martinez, who's kind of a shadow of himself, and I think there's, it's not entirely uh, out of the question that, that Adam Duvall could out-hit J.D. Martinez, too. I did not like that addition for the Dodgers. Um, uh, Duvall hit 38 homers in, in, in 2021 and also won a gold glove. Didn't have a very good year last year, but... Uh, um, you know he is a guy who whose uh, uh, whose defense will help you uh, even if his offense is is uh, uh, inconsistent and certainly he's got that power. I bet he I bet uh, you know as a right hander in Fenway Park he probably hits thirty home runs uh, if he if he's healthy and playing regularly. I think that's a pretty accurate assessment as we continue right now with uh, Jay Jaffe here on Sports Talk. Uh, by the way, uh, nothing yet regarding Trevor Bauer being signed. And that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, He's now a free agent. And you wonder, will everybody avoid him, or will there be one team that decides to take the plunge and knowing they need pitching? Yeah, certainly haven't heard his name in conversations. I mean, I think right now he's pretty toxic just because, you know, he's pursuing litigation uh, against uh, at least one of the women that – uh, that that accused him and and I don't think anybody really wants to be see, wants to be seen uh, clamoring for him. I I I 
I heard one theory um, that uh, a team might wait until uh, the middle of the season uh, to to uh, to add him because right now the scrutiny is just going to be so high that uh, uh, the the back the, the backlash would be uh, significant. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty accurate. I I really do. Not to mention, um, you know, maybe teams are kind of weighing their other options because there are still some other players that are out there that are unsigned at this point. Although uh, the cupboard is is nearly bare as far as the quality goes. Um, I saw Trey Mancini to the Cubs, two year deal. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the Cubs are doing. They've got Eric uh, Hosmer. Now they've got Trey Mancini. Are you able to uh, kind of uh, make heads or tails of what Chicago is up to these days? I mean, they're you know they're sort of they're, I think they're still mostly in in kind of a rebuilding mode. They're trying to stock their roster with with name you know names past past prime guys. Hope that they hit hit on some of these guys and maybe they're of interest uh, at the trade deadline. Um, it's you know I I don't think Eric Hosmer is a good bet. Cody Bellinger maybe a better bet. Trey Mancini probably a better bet. He was going along pretty well last year, but the trade to Houston just did not work out for him, and he had a very tough time there. Um, you know I think uh, uh, just kind of got it got into a slump and 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 couldn't get out of it. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, obviously compelling backstory, cancer survivor. Uh, who missed all of 2020 and uh, has a has a strong reputation within the game. So, you know, I see this as being a, a you know a, a, a no lose situation for the Cubs adding him, uh, particularly at, the, at that price. I mean, 14 million dollars it's a lot to you and me. It's not a lot for a ball player, um, but uh, uh, we'll see what happens. I, the Cubs the Cubs are certainly going to be more recognizable in. in in 2023 than they were in 22, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be a better team. You know, another guy that we never talked about last week that I'm so interested in to see what he does just because of where he signed Michael Conforto to the giants. You know, they've got Mitch Hanniger and Conforto in the outfield and the giants always seem to resurrect guys that they get at a very low cost and, and turn into productive ball players. It's kind of an interesting outfield in 2023, knowing you've got Hanniger and Conforto, if they can both stay healthy, Jay. The word "if" doing a lot of work in that sentence, Steve. But uh, yeah, I, I think those are those are those are two interesting players, and the Giants have uh, shown that they can uh, revive the careers of of, uh, uh, of some guys because they look at the game a little bit differently with that front office and their analytics. Um, there was an article uh, last year by a guy named Robert Orr, not the hockey player. Um, I think his Twitter handle is something like "Not the Bobby Orr." Um, about the Giants and the way that they used what's called uh, swing plane uh, platooning, finding finding guys instead of going lefty righty, finding guys whose whose swing paths matched uh, the 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 pitch specialties of, of of the opponents. So if you've got a guy who works down in the zone, uh, you're looking for a, for a, a hitter who, who who's got uh, uh, an uppercut and can elevate the ball and things like that and. Uh, um, yeah, so it wouldn't be surprising if uh, if if the Giants are able to get something out of these guys. You know, they're uh, both proven hitters. Uh, both had some injuries as well that have kind of derailed them. Conforto missed all of last year with a shoulder uh, injury, and uh, you hope he can bounce back um, because he was a pretty good player beforehand. But uh, uh, it's a gamble, and and uh, the Giants are still kind of reeling from being jilted by both Aaron Judge and. 
uh, Carlos Correa. More with Jay as we keep things moving here on Sports Talk. But first, bottom of the hour, let's get right back to Adrian Broadus. He's standing by with this Sports Center update. We're back with uh, Jay Jaffe right now, who, by the way, over the last five days, six days, has taken a look at the following Matt Kane, Jared Weaver, Jason Worth, and Mike Napoli on his 2023 Hall of Fame ballot. I like it, Jay, because some of these could be the only year you're right about them, especially if they don't get enough votes to come back next year. Yeah, I, I don't think any of these guys has a single vote in, a, in the. Uh... Uh, in the in the Hall of Fame ballot tracker so far, so uh, you know they're they're in what's called the one and done segment of my series, one ballot and they're done. Um, I'm working on one that uh, should be of interest to uh, uh, people from Texas uh, for tomorrow. It's uh, Houston Street, who was uh, uh, obviously a, a big time player at the uh, University of Texas in the early 2000s, uh, helping them win a championship. So um, it's fun, it, you know, it's fun to think back on and and. Uh, uh, write about these guys' career highlights. They weren't necessarily, um, you know, they're they're not going to the Hall of Fame, but they had their moments and uh, played their roles in championships and and uh, in other ways. I mean, you know, today today I wrote about uh, uh, for today I wrote about Napoli and his epic uh, uh, pub crawl after the Red Sox won the World Series in 2013 and that iconic photo of him walking through Boston shirtless and smoking a cigarette. Uh, uh, fans love that, and uh, it's just a, you know the, one of the ways in which he's going to be remembered. And you know, the Matt Cain one, uh, looking back, he changed the way we look at pitching statistics, and that was a really important one, uh, especially in the uh, um, in the annals of fan graphs, because he he had a direct influence on the way we calculate uh, our version of wins above replacement. So um, all these guys, they have their niches uh, in baseball history, and. Uh, um, I'm lucky that I have the time and space to uh, to write about them at length. Are you surprised that uh, Matt Cain didn't get at least one vote for the Hall, even from like a Giants writer? You know, it's it's still possible. I mean, we've you know, I think we we we've, we've got something like about forty percent of the of the votes uh, uh, have been published here, and so it, it, you know, a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, the, t- the token uh, courtesy votes come in. Uh, later on, sometimes by by writers who don't you know necessarily want to reveal themselves, or at least at this time, um, I, I bet he won't get completely shut out. He's uh, uh, was what you know was a part of two championships uh, teams with the Giants, and uh, uh, certainly had his moments, including that perfect game that I missed by one freaking day in San Francisco. I was, uh. there, the night, I was there the night before um, and was on a plane when that happened, so uh, totally missed out on that one. It's too bad, but. Uh, not better. <laughs> no, no, not at all, Jay. Not at all. I, I completely hear you on that one. Um, by the way, I mentioned that the uh, Mets were hit with a luxury tax. Believe it or not, there are six total teams in baseball, including the Dodgers, that were uh, given the, the luxury tax. The way baseball is set up right now, all that money, does that go to help fund the smaller market teams? Is that still the purpose of what baseball is doing? Yeah, some of some of it does, and some of it goes into a central fund. I forget exactly what the fine print says, but uh, um, yes, basically it's it's redistributed redistributed among the teams that don't go over the tax. Okay, uh, give me your thoughts on this story and the fact that um, and I saw this earlier. Um, Cal Ripken's 
baseball tournaments for youth baseball will now merge with Cooperstown and their All-Star Village. So that way, uh, Cooperstown Youth Baseball and uh, Cal Ripken Baseball all becomes one. Um, you know, I, I don't know enough about that to have to have too much feeling. I've, I've, uh, I know that Cooperstown has a big tournament up there uh, that brings uh, lots of families to the area all summer long. Um, and that was one of the... Um, uh, one of the hard hits about uh, you know that that came with uh, the cancellation of so much stuff in 2020 uh, during the pandemic. Um, I remember doing some design work for the Cal Ripken uh, youth program back when I was a graphic designer, but I, I couldn't tell you the difference between the two. But uh, um, you know, I just hope it in- increases uh, uh, kids' access to baseball. Um, certainly, if there's a Cooperstown connection, that you know they'll means more kids coming to the Hall of Fame. I think that's pretty cool, getting them in touch with the history and all, and, and, and all that. I agree with you. And I'll tell you something else. I really hope that, um, I, I you know, this is a stat I didn't even realize, but I hope we start to see more and more um, black baseball players back in the sport. I saw that a stat, yeah, you know, I guess yeah. for the first time since 1950, no U.S.-born black players played in the World Series between Houston and Philadelphia. It's the first time that's happened in over 70 years. Yeah, that one yes, that's that's something that I've that I've written a little bit about over the years that you know, especially when when Major League Baseball, you know, pats itself on the back so visibly, you know, over over the uh anniversary of Jackie Robinson's debut is is you know that that uh, uh, the sport hasn't done enough uh to try to attract um you know, top black athletes, uh, you know, by by running inner city uh, programs, and there have been efforts towards that end over the last decade. Um, and I know that there's a re- been a renewed effort, um, particularly uh, uh, over the last couple of years, to invest more money in in, in uh, uh, grassroots programs. It's something that really does need to happen. Um, you know, if baseball is going to uh, uh, point to uh, the the the, Jack, the Jackie Robinson moment as 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 so pivotal in its history. It really does need to make sure that it remains relevant. Um, you know, not just with uh, um, you know, not just with white kids, and not just in you know with with you know, overseas with the with the Latin Americans. It needs to be. Uh, a game for all of us. I'm with you. You want to learn more about what uh, Jay's been writing about? It's all online at Fangraphs.com. In fact, there's a ton of information. They're already rolling out their Zips pro- uh, projections for 2023. Um, I don't know if you're part of the Zips projections, but it's so much fun to see uh, how your team believes everybody's going to perform here uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, that's like my colleague Dan Zimborski, who's been doing those projections for um, I don't know how many years, but I, I actually have apparently had a role in 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 naming zips. Um, I think Dan will tell you about it in terms of aviation, and uh, um, but uh, he does a great job. It's a it's a it's a quality uh, uh, projection system, and uh, one we lean on a lot. Let's wrap it up. Beer of the week. What do, uh, what beer you want to talk about this week, Jay? Okay, this one is from. Zero Gravity uh, Brewers, which I believe is, how is that, upstate, uh, Burlington, Vermont. Um, this is a good one here. This is their, their Powder Jones IPA. Um, it, uh, it's a 7, 7.3% ABV 
IPA. I got this at Trader Joe's. It's got Strata and Idaho 7 hops. Nice citrusy orange uh, hazy IPA. I really liked it. I hadn't seen it before. I've had some good stuff uh, from Zero Gravity, including their their Green State Pilsner. So uh, I was inclined to uh, to pick this up, and uh, uh, I'm going back for another four-pack. Nice. 7.3%. The bell is ringing at the Jaffe House. That means he's out of time. The dog is barking. Jay, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll uh, bid you farewell and talk to you again next week. All right, sounds great. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. All right, Jay Jaffe, what a beautiful timing with that segment. As soon as Love the beer it. pick ended, the doorbell rang, the dog started barking, and I knew that was the end of Jay. All right, hey, we'll come back. we got plenty more coming up right after ABC 7 News. It's next here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Welcome back, everybody. Um, so much more to get to as we continue. Um, there is a, a book that uh, just came out last February. So excited about this. Tyler Campbell's going to join us. He, um, is a keynote speaker, hosts a show, um, in Austin sports radio show. He went to San Diego state and you know what? He's got a book out and I think that's really cool. In fact, um, I'm excited to hear his story because the name of the book, for those of you that uh, have not had a chance yet, is From the Other Side of the Field. And this is something that, for us, is going to be uh, you know, a, a great topic. And it's something he's going to talk a little bit about and uh, what a journey it's going to be. In fact, uh, just imagine, you know, you're the NFL, uh, you're the son of an NFL Hall of Famer, Heisman Trophy winner, but you know Tyler wants to create a new path for himself and using football to do it. So we're going to get the opportunity to talk and and uh, and hear his story and uh, get a chance to talk to uh, to Tyler. This is going to be a lot of fun. The name of the book is "The Ball Came Out: Life from the Other Side of the Field." So Tyler Campbell joining us here on Sports Talk in just about eh, a little more than 10 minutes from now. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Uh, You went to basketball practice today. Adrian, how'd it go? It went great. Uh, first off, seeing the Miners coming off their first road win of the the season against Charlotte this past Monday, um, they had a, a little bit of a swagger to them today. And I know that they can't overlook FIU and already look at the nationally ranked FAU Owls, which they host on Saturday, but they have to be ready for the Panthers tomorrow. And that was the big message that everybody was saying. But uh, got a chance to talk with Jonathan Dosanjos, uh, first time in a while, speaking to him, and he was saying how he's feeling a lot better with his knee he feels like he's uh, getting better week after week but it's been tough it's kind of it's it's affected him mentally at some degree and and he talked about that with us um, how you know just coming back from that injury and trying to catch his stride I think that's the biggest key for him right I mean coming off the bench trying to contribute uh, chipping in where he can but also not overextending himself so he doesn't uh, you know he avoids injury moving forward is everybody else healthy 
Everybody else is healthy with uh, with the with the uh, I guess one um, caveat they still do not have uh, Malik Zachary with them on their team. He is taking some time for personal reasons. Nothing wrong. Um, coach wanted to assure everybody that he would be back in the mix, but uh, they are letting him time and they are giving him his space. Uh, you know through this stretch. But we also got a chance to talk with the likes of Shamar Givens, who is uh, very confident. He's been on a great stretch, especially in conference play, and we got a chance to meet with Otis Frazier as well, who's been a, a routine starter for this team as he's come back from injury. Yeah, I mean, there's a listen, uh, you just hope that this team gets healthy, stays healthy, uh, the balls continue to bounce their way like they did in Charlotte, and this team gets on a roll, right? That's, that's ultimately what it's all about, especially um, they haven't defeated a ranked opponent in over 10 years. Adrian, that's the last time it's happened. I think it was back in like 20, I don't know, 2000. Um, I thought wait, I think it was Rabidou the last time they beat a ranked opponent. Does that sound right? That does sound right. I thought it was like 20 plus years. So I think that that sounds a little bit, uh, you know, accurate right there. I would love to know the game. I, I don't know off the top of my head. But what I will say as far as just this team and how they're viewing this week, uh, head coach Joe Golding also met with the media and talked about how he describes UTEP as a dysfunctional family. You know, and in kind of the most beautiful way, right? Because you have a lot of things that they do ugly, but sometimes when they play ugly, especially on defense, it actually works. And they're they're scrappy. They uh, they fight for the ball. They they're hungry. They're they're competitive. And despite any team holding a lead, they will fight throughout the game to try to cut that lead and you know try to win. So you got to appreciate the fight that this team has. You obviously see that they lack uh, some offense to them, but uh, you love the intensity. In the effort, I've also you don't usually hear a coach describe his 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 team as dysfunctional, right? That's kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, dysfunctional family in a beautiful way. That that was the quote. It was a it was a great clip. And I guess he's the leader of the bunch. Yes, so, that's right. Yeah, that's that's wild. I still can't believe it. Fresno State in two thousand one was the last time they beat a top twenty five team at home. Go figure wow. that. Two thousand and one. Twenty two years, right there. I mean, I think Brandon Wolfram was still playing for them back in those days, and Roy Smallwood. Okay, for yeah. those of you kind of wanting to go back that uh, go back that far. I mean, they've had their opportunities, right? They've played a lot of ranked opponents between now and and, and all the way back then, uh, and they just have never come out on the winning end. I, I would think, right, the the closest that they got was knocking off number nineteen Memphis. Uh, what, like the twenty fifteen sixteen season, like when Memphis was routinely ran- or that that was a little bit before that, like 2013, 2012, Memphis consistently in the top twenty five. UTEP going toe to toe with those Memphis teams. That's probably the closest that they got to knocking off a, a ranked opponent, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's again. That's but that's that's been a long time. They they haven't played a lot of opponents that have been ranked recently. When you start to really add it all up, you know, and they've and they've lost their share of those games. Like I'm just going back right now and and looking at you know who they've played over the years and how close they uh, were able to get. Well, wait a minute now. Oh, okay. So you see, Tony Barbie beat UAB ranked 25th in double overtime, but it was a road game. It oh, wasn't okay. a home game. So they, I think that might have been their last win against a ranked team, and that was back in January of uh, of 2010. But um, you know, that just goes to show you how rare it's been. 
That's wild. Uh, Zay was pointing out that uh, you know he was talking a little bit about how Arizona State was ranked, I think, like the week before, week after UTEP ended up playing mm. them. And then also, okay. remember that Kansas game when UTEP went to the wire with uh, the Jayhawks? I think they yep. were ranked as high as like uh, top 15 at that point. I think they were, too. I, I think you're right. Okay, uh, when we come back, Tyler Campbell's going to join us. You're going to hear his emotional story next, so stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. He's Adrian Broadus. We got UTEP Zay out there as well across the glass. I'm Steve Kaplowitz here on 600 ESPN El Paso. So excited about getting back to the phones right now and saying hello to our next guest. He is Tyler Campbell, the author of the book, The Ball Came Out, Life from the Other Side of the Field. He also hosts his own sports radio show in Austin. He's a motivational speaker. And, oh, yeah, by the way, his dad is Hall of Fame running back Earl Campbell. Tyler, welcome to the show. Welcome to El Paso. Great to have you on, my man. How are you doing? Capo, what do you know, baby? How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. And it sounds like you are doing well as well. And that's always a nice thing, especially when our guests come on and, and, and get to bring it. You remind me of Foss when you show up with that kind of energy, Tyler. Hey man, you know he's he's the man, and I'm I'm thankful for Foss. You know, it's a good good family friend of ours, and you know you're always doing good when the Dallas Cowboys are rolling, Caplo. You know, it's it's been a tough time as a fan. I'm gonna be honest. You know, I'm a child of the, born in the '80s, child of the '90s. So you know, I had some rough years um, since post elementary, since I was post elementary with as a Cowboys fan. Man, I'm 36 years old now. Well, let me let me let me tell you this too. By the way, congratulations. Um, uh, you know, I've heard Cappy, I've heard Cap. You are the first guest in 27 years that's ever called me Cap Low. So um, that's it. that's I nice. You've got your own. You've got your own names. That's that's good, Tyler. That's really good. So now uh, let's uh, first uh, let's talk about everything. Now, when did you decide? that you wanted to pen your life story and 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 put it out uh in a book that became an Amazon bestseller. Yeah, I mean I I you know I I turned into uh, you know this inspirational speaker. I started being a patient advocate um for multiple sclerosis when I was 24 years old, Caplo, you know, and so I've been I've been telling the story for a long time. Um when COVID and the pandemic hit, um, that's when I looked at my wife, I looked at my children, um, like everybody else, man. Like I, I lost family members, lost, lost uncles, lost brother-in-law, lost, lost plenty of people due to COVID. And I looked around at my family. I said, you know, if I, if I die, um, what will my wife, what will my children, my three babies have to hold on to as their father? And, and what better thing to do than to give them, you know, my words that way, if they ever want to know anything about daddy. We can find it in his book, and um, and that's kind of what what morphed it. Uh, I, I could always think I was going to write a book, but for many years, Caplo, I could never I could never write. I could get on stage and speak, but I could never write the story. And when COVID hit and had a lot of time, brother, that's that's when it hit, man. That's when I started. The pen started moving. Now you mentioned multiple sclerosis. You find out yes. that you have MS when you're 21 years of age. Um, but let's backtrack. Let's backtrack a few years earlier. You're the number two running back prospect 
in the state of Texas, um, and you've got everything in front of you, but suddenly uh, you find yourself uh, off of every list because, as you've talked about, you made some bad decisions, and, and it cost you, and yet, despite everything, the MS diagnosis, um, losing your scholarships, and, and, and that you still were able to um, turn everything around. You played at San Diego State, um, and and the story to me is is just how you were able to uh, to persevere and 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 really rebuild everything at that point. It, it's pretty remarkable. It's it's a story, you know, and I, I think the. The message for for us all, I think we all forget, Caplo. Like I'm sure you have a journey for what it has taken for you to get to the radio place that you are at now. You know, and and you know that journey. It's one of those things where we sit back, and we look at life, and I was like, dang, I kind of I kind of been through a lot. But the same is true for all of us, you know. And and then you think back to where you once were, and you recognize, I never gave up. I, I didn't quit. I made bad decisions along the way, but you know, I, I made some wrongs right in my life, and 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 that's what it's all about. And and that's kind of what I kept focusing on. It's like Tyler, you made your mistakes. You know, you blew you blew your scholarships. Um, you're in a junior college now. You're still fighting. Um, you get multiple sclerosis, and by the time MS came into my life, Capital, I was so used to having to fight for everything. I was so used to having it be so difficult. Um, I was so used to having to be the one who had to scratch and claw in the weight room and spend extra time running uh, because, you know, what came natural to Earl wasn't always so natural to me. What came natural to my older brother, who was second in the state of, in the 200 meters as a, as a 16-year-old, my older brother, athletics, I was always used to having to work, work, work. And um, at the end of the day, it just became that model I lived by in life. And, and my dad taught me a Campbell never quit. And if you never quit, Caplo think about it you can never really lose and and that's what i started to live by and that's that's my life story man just somebody who's not the smartest not the most talented not even the most handsome but my wife thinks so Caplo. that's good enough for me um but i'm i'm just somebody who just never never wants to give up the name of the book the ball came out life from the other side of the field Tyler Campbell's with us as we continue. Now, you can call me Caplo all you want. I mean, that's that's fine. I've, I've been called much worse, and um, I'm, I'm getting used to it. It's starting to starting to grow on me in a really weird way. Um, it, it really is, you know, I'll be honest with you. But uh, Adrian Broadus, is, he's got a question for you, and most people call him Adrian, but I'm hoping you come up with some other weird name for him that he's never that he's never heard before. So if you don't mind, it's Adrian Broadus. Come up with something that's really off the beat and, and start referring to him like that on a regular basis so he can feel just as comfortable as I am right now, Tyler. Uh, what, what, I'm with you. I'm, I'm already there. Listen, they they have Antonio Brown, but this is the real AB. He's so dope, he's got to have three. The real AB. You know Ah, what I'm saying? That's where we are. I like that. All right, so you're the real AB. Go ahead, real AB. What question do you have for Tyler? Tyler, uh, (laughs) after after hearing you speak with us for uh, just this short bit of time, I just get such a positive uh, tone from you. From for somebody who's dealt with so much, how how have you leaned on your positivity to get you through these tough times? Yeah, I think um, my so my grandmother, um, my father. 
you know, Earl Campbell, NFL Hall of Famer, Heisman Trophy winner. If you if you followed my dad's journey, um, my dad was raised by a single mother, you know, out of out of poverty in in East Texas, and and a single mother. She had eleven children. Um, my grandmother used to tell me when she was when she was living when I was a child, she would always say, um, "Tyler, if you can't do anything else in life, you can smile." She would say, Tyler, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of effort, and it's not going to cost you anything. You said, so just smile. And I know it sounds very simple, but in reflection, it was a very big moment for me as a child. I think when you read the book, a lot of people will start to understand where, where I come from, my shortcomings. Um, I just was very different than my brother and my dad. Um, and, and I was a nerd. I loved books. I loved they are Tolkien and comic books, and, and sometimes words and phrases were all I needed to hang on to to get through. And so for me, I recognize at an early age, if you can smile, it changes the course of your outlook, and it changes the course of my conversations with people. Um, and I recognize that people were a lot more easier to talk to when I had a smile on my face. And it also made me feel better about myself. And so that energy that I have, um, was gifted to me out of a lesson learned from her early on, and in my faith walk, um, those things are very, very important to me. I'm I'm 36 years old, but I've I've never forgotten where I came from and all the people, um, and and my faith that have kept me this entire time. Now, football might have come easy to you because of your bloodline and and really, you know, just the family you grew up in. But when you were a teenager, we flew your dad into town. And he was one of our guests for our uh, Sports and Health Expo. And when he came in, he had a tough time walking. And yeah. at that point, you know, he was probably, I would say, 40s at some point. Some, at some, you know, in, the, in his 40s. And yet, I'm watching him, uh, and, and I'm watching him struggle. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it was hard to watch because you knew the kind of football player he was and the kind of man he is and how proud he is, and that's not what you want to see. And I can't even imagine for you, growing up in that in that household, what it's like. Did you ever question wanted to continue to pursue your dreams after what you saw was happening to your dad, both physically and, and mentally taking its toll on him after all those years of, of running through? people uh in in the nfl as well as in college for me i never i never batted an eye to it um my dad was my super my superman you know i told you like comic books that was that was my superman and in, in, in capital um in the real ab it would be so bad for him i remember being 16 getting my license my mom had to go out of town um I had to come and check on my dad when he was bedridden. I had to leave school to help my father, uh, you know, to the restroom, to shower, to bathe. Um, so I got real up close and personal with a side of EC that a lot of people didn't see. And I remember, I still remember him crying at night in agony because his body had locked up. I remember the back surgeries when they started um, and how much ag- the pain. Like So I saw the decrease in mobility of my father throughout my childhood, but never once. Because he always said, I played the game knowing that I put my body on the line. And there was something so heroic. There was something so superhuman to me about my dad. There was something so incredible Hulk about him. And I marveled at that. 
and I loved the amount of respect he commanded from other people without opening up his mouth just by the way he played the game, but also how he was as a human being, Cap Lowe. Like, I, I marveled all of that, the fact that he took the time for an autograph, the time that he took for a photograph, and his humility. I was in awe of all of that. So what he was and what he, you know, the demise he experienced, I fell in love with all of that. I was like, man, if this dude, if this, he knew that this was what was going to happen, his body was going to be put on the line all the time, and he still went through, you know, he's a hero. He's a freaking gladiator. You know what I'm saying? So I marveled at that. And, um, yeah, it never detoured me one bit. Tyler, how much did that um, influence you and your relationship with your kids? Oh, big time. I tell everybody, um, you know, there's a difference. My father wasn't just present, Caplow. He made his presence felt. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a difference. We have a lot of people that we encounter that, that, that are present in our lives, but they don't really make their presence felt. My dad was around as best as he could, even when his, his health went. I remember, Caplow, my dad would drive his car on the track. It's suburban. He couldn't sit in the stands with everybody else, so he drove. In the way games, somehow, some way, they let Earl Campbell drive his suburban onto the track and watch the game. So he never let his inabilities physically be an excuse. Yeah. And I look at my babies, I look at my children, I say, yo, if my dad could give it his all, if my dad could start a, a sausage business as an entrepreneur in 1991 and, and everybody laughed at him when he invested a million dollars into a sausage business and he made it something, um, life after football. And, and, and then as a father, he's there no matter what. doesn't matter how many people are around. doesn't matter how many autographs. He's going to be there. When's your birthday? I'm there. When do you need me? Anytime I've called my dad, Cap Lowe, um, he's been there. He did physical therapy with me. He's been there. And so if he can be there, even with his disability, even with his fame, doggone it, why can't I give my wife everything that I have and my children everything that I have, even with this little disease called multiple sclerosis. You know, a Campbell never quits, Caplo. That's true. That's very true, Tyler. I agree with you. And by the way, um, you know, how are you handling the MS? You've, you were diagnosed, uh, what, 15 years ago. So tell me a little bit about how you've been living with this and how you've been treating and, and keeping, everything, uh, keeping everything at bay. Yeah, man. Um, man, I'm, I'm blessed, Caplo. I mean, I, I've been through the ringer with it, right? I've I've been through speech therapy. I've been through being in a wheelchair at times. Um, this past summer, I was in. I was hospitalized for it. Um, uh, I've shed many tears with this disease. So highs and lows are the best way that I can describe them. I think at the level of manhood or the level of walk as an MS patient that I have now, I'm just. I'm more. I'm more comfortable. I'm more open. I'm more willing to be vulnerable. Um, as, as somebody who's willing to share their story about the good and the bad as a male, um, the sexual, even the erectile dysfunction issues that I've experienced, um, just being open. And I found that um, being my open and comfortable with the disease, um, it helps me smile um, because I'm, I'm at least putting a story out there that people could gravitate to. Because when I was 21 years old, I never found a story to cling to. I found Montel Williams, the talk show host, um, but I could never communicate with him. He was Hollywood, you know? So I feel like the more I tell my story, the more it helps me feel like I'm, I'm helping the MS community. Um, with specifically, you know, with minorities, uh, the black and Latino populations that are getting diagnosed where greater awareness needs to be. 
I'm doing my best to to put a story out there that people can at least touch and see that's tangible and also that you can still make it. Um, so I have my battles. I, I, I try to eat as best as I can. I'm not perfect. God, I love milkshakes, Kaplan. Um, the Girl Scouts just came by my house. I grabbed some cookies. Um, so I'm not perfect. I try to do the best that I can. But at the end of the day, man, uh, I'm blessed. I get up and I go get it. By 6 o'clock this time, I'm dead tired on energy, believe it or not, guys. I believe it. Um, we believe it. I, I still can smile. I still can smile and just push the needle. That's the best that I can do. The website, IamTylerCampbell.com. That's IamTylerCampbell.com. You can also go to Amazon and check out his book. The ball came out. Life from the Other Side of the Field. You can get the Kindle, the hardcover, the paperback, the audiobook. My goodness, you've got it all covered. You've got every single <laughs> kind of format for this book that's known. By the way, did you voice the book? Is it your voice on the yes, audiobook? Yes. Good. Yeah, and it was Good. great, man. We recorded We recorded um, at one of Willie Nelson's studios down here. And uh, dad, dad came in and he did his audible version of the forward. Oh, that's so amazing! Dad, dad that's there, amazing! So. Oh, you got to buy the audio book, Dad. You got to get the audio book to hear you and hear your dad. That's the that's the book. That's the copy you need. That's right. Yeah, yeah, right. really cool, man. Really Listen, cool. uh, it's it's great talking to you. Thank you very much. Um, I will probably never hear uh, Caplo again after this conversation. <laughs> so, thank well, you. A lot more, or a lot more. Yeah. You know what? You know what's hilarious um, is that this this is the truth. So I spent about an hour with Tyler before we did this interview. We we talked for a while, and and everything that interview was, was Steve. We were talking Steve this, Steve that. It was always Steve, and then all of a sudden he throws a curve at me today. <laughs> he shows up and he throws a legitimate. 12-6 curveball right at me, and uh, and he drops it over the plate. So nicely done with that. And by the way, uh, the real AB, I like that. I thought yeah. you were gonna. I thought you were just gonna call him Brody or something like that. But you know, <laughs> that's that's all right. Real A, he liked the real AB. You could see he's got a big smile on his face. I do. So yeah, he's 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 pleased with that one. So nicely done, Tyler. Well, well, that's well good. said, man. And by the way, the next time. Eastwood. Don't have trouble with the curve. Okay? I'll do my best on that. And, and the next time I enjoy an Earl Campbell's hot link, I will think of you and your dad. So that's uh, that's also <laughs> something that's going to come to to mind for me. Hey, Caplo, we are not responsible for high blood pressure, baby. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right, listen, take care. Great stuff. And, uh, and thanks for joining us on the show today, Tyler. We appreciate you, man. I love you guys. The real AB for three. Talk to y'all later, man. Thanks, fellas. You got it. Tyler Campbell joining us here on Sports Talk. 20 past. We'll get to uh, Charlie One in traffic and come back with a whole lot more next. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Good to see that Caplo and the real AB are trending on Twitter right now. Appreciate that, Tyler. Thank you. 26 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. J.D. Aziz tweets the show, Great guest, brutally honest, great segment. Victor Neff and Neff Poppy. Caplo, I think it's awesome. Great interview with Tyler. Going to get me that book. The Real AB needs a hashtag. I love the real AB. I, I think YYS is like the only guy on the on this radio show to call me AB. Uh, I think some UTEP football players call me AB as well. Uh, Praise Amele and Jadrian Taylor most notably. 
But uh, I like AB. I think that's a good one. And uh, we're we're ready to knock off the real AB, who's actually has that Twitter handle. I think that's Antonio Brown. Is he is he really? Does Antonio Brown really known as the real AB? At one point, so. he at one point he was. He might go. Be, he might have gone back to AB eighty four. Um, but yeah, that, that's uh, I, I like the real AB. If no one has taken that, maybe I could change my Twitter handle. That would be awesome if you became the real AB. Thanks to Tyler, that would be pretty cool. I like that. Uh, this came in on the mobile app from Pinky. Don't get angry if I greet you as Caplo or Real AB. Great interview with Tyler Campbell. There you go. Ah, he had a good question too. He wanted to know if Tyler was named after the Tyler Tex after Tyler Texas or the Tyler Rose. I bet you it was Tyler Rose. Although he did grow up in Tyler Texas. That's a tough one. It's a good one. Good question. Yeah, I like that, Pinky. It's a really good question. I like that one, too, from Pinky. All right, 28 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. That's our telephone number, 505-6009. As we continue on the show, uh, UTEP Zay with us as well. And uh, Zay, welcome aboard. Good to have you on today. And uh, what were your uh, what's your takeaways from that interview? The nicknames they were they were they were sick. But uh, besides yeah. the sick nicknames, <laughs> what, what else? What else do you like? Um, well, I just like his his personality. He seems like a fun person to be around. He's always positive. It seems like, and uh, I agree. Yeah, I'm not much of a reader, but hey, that that book it interests me. How come you're not much of a reader? I thought you'd be a big reader. You know. I'm not. I like sports novels. That that's what I like. But there's not a lot of sports novels to read. So, eh. if I give you a sports novel in my office, you gonna read it? You, you sure bet. You bet. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll hook you up with one. That's for sure. Um, meanwhile, saw this. Uh, I, I heard from Tyler after the uh, conversation. He told me that his dad's gonna be at Radio Row uh, during Super Bowl week. Nice. So it looks like we might have a chance to get Earl Campbell on the program. I was thinking that that could be a possibility, and I'm so happy that he's making the trip out to Glendale, Arizona, um, to see one of the greatest running backs to ever play uh, in the sport of football. That, that'll be awesome. I hope we get a chance to run into him. I do, too. I do, too. And remember, folks, we're going to be live Radio Row Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And if that's not enough... The Foss and Chris Fernandez broadcasting laying down the law from 12 to 2, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. How great is that going to be? What, what time are they going live? Do you 12 know? to 2. Oh, 12 to 2. That's yeah. great. I love this. I'm so happy that laying down the law is also uh, is also going to be broadcasting live those three days as well. And I would I would expect nothing uh, nothing other than that from the Foss and Chris Fernandez. By the way, happy birthday, Chris Fernandez. Shout out to him. Uh, today's birthday day? That's right. Very nice. And by the way, another thing. This is the debut of laying down the law on 600 ESPN El Paso. That show's never aired before, and it's going to air right. for three straight days. I like that. I like that a lot. This is making me more excited talking about it, just uh, and getting excited about um, you know all our coverage coming up, you know, throughout the playoffs and then coming up for the big game. Middle of the show as we keep things moving. Let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Tim Haggerty really enjoyed that interview. Nice. 
He said it was hilarious how often Tyler was dropping Caplo during the conversation. He thought that was the funniest thing he's ever heard. He leaned on Caplo. He did. He did. He, he uh, really liked it. He used it every transition um, yes. sentence that he, he had. He did. And then he dropped the real AB here and there. So I think it was a, a great on-the-fly um, you know, job by Tyler of coming up with nicknames for us. True story, okay, because I found this out years ago. But apparently, um, relatives on my dad's side, okay, back in, I, I guess, the, the first half of the 20th century, they were actually Kaplowitz, and they dropped the, the, uh, the its down to Kaplow. Wow. So they actually that was um, part of our wow. of our family history. So it's pretty crazy to think that uh, there actually are relatives named Caplo who were part of the uh, original family heritage back years ago. Have you met anybody with the last name Caplo? By no, chance? No, but I'll say this: this is really interesting. When you go to New York, this is this goes back like in the uh, I would say like eighties, nineties. I go back to New York back in the Yellow Pages days, and I would open the White Pages. Okay, no, I'm sorry, the was it? yeah the White Pages, and. Um, there were like three or four pages of Kaplowitzes in the New York phone book all wow. over the place. They were everywhere in New York. We weren't related to, to, to most of them, but it's a pretty common name in New York City, just not here. Wow, that's real interesting. I, I, you know, there are a lot of this is this might sound weird, but there are a lot of like Facebook groups with last people uh, people's last names. So, uh, like for example, uh, I was invited to like this broadest family tree. I guess like Facebook group. I don't know anybody in that group, but yeah. I, I was just invited to it. I didn't even accept it. But I'm curious to see how big that like Kaplowitz family like Facebook family group is. That would be interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I all I can tell you is from what I've heard, just researching my. Grandfather on my, you know, on my dad's side. I, I don't think there were that many of them, so I don't exactly know where the the whole like I my on on my uh, grandmother's side of my dad. There's a ton of relatives, but on the other side, the Kaplowitz side, I didn't know that many people. And there was a player who played for the Knicks in the mid '40s named Ralph Kaplowitz, and I used to always ask my dad, "Hey, we were related to this because it's one of wow. the first New York Knicks out there." I wanted to, I wanted to have uh, a, a, a Knicks Kaplowitz jersey just because he was, you know, he played for them for a few years, and then also the Philadelphia 76ers back in those days. Oh, that's that's a really cool story in itself. Um, was there? This is a weird question too, but is there like a city named Kaplowitz? Or no, a town or anything no. like that. Nothing like that. No, it's a, it's like it's that. a just a, a just a name. name. Just yeah. name. Is there a, is there a city named Broadus? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I haven't. I, I don't think I've ever checked. Uh, I think there's a college with uh, Broadus in it, but I don't know if it's like the if it's the whole thing or not. That would be kind of cool. You can go to Broadus University. That would yeah. be. That really <laughs> would be. That would be awesome. I would love that. So, all right, um, we got more coming up here, 36 past the hour on Sports Talk. Uh, would love to hear from you. Um, by the way, I think the Dallas Cowboys adding Tristan Viscaino, good move. But they, they had to make that move, right? I mean, you cannot have uh, Brett Maher without an insurance policy just in case 
he hooks his first extra point or field goal attempt in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, really, Maher's the kind of guy who um, this year in the regular season made 29 of 32 field goals. He missed uh, from 59 yards twice and then 46 yards. So it's not like he was bad at all this entire year. He just had a blunder of a playoff game in the wild card round. The problem with kickers, though, we've seen it you know, firsthand locally uh, when we cover UTEP football, is when kickers have a, a kind of streak for good or for bad, it could it could stick with them. And for Maher, if the four missed extra points against the Bucks carry on into this week, I think they go pretty quick. I think special teams coordinator Brett Fassel goes quick with uh, making that switch uh, to Vizcaino. Other news that's really um, f- significant. Um, Hank Bachmeyer transfers to Louisiana Tech, which means we will see the former Boise State quarterback coming up uh, next season. That's a significant move. And once again, another example of how a CUSA football program goes into the portal and gets a, a, an upgrade at the quarterback spot. Well, in my opinion, for Louisiana Tech, this is a big-time get, right? Because they, they had some inconsistency last year at the quarterback position. Now they got their guy, right? And not just Bachmeyer. They're getting tons of assets for him. Yeah. Uh, not even on the offensive side. Defensively, they're even getting guys. So Louisiana Tech is going to be a team to watch out for, but it'll just come down to fit at the end of the day. That's that's the only problem with the transfer portal is are they going to fit on your team and in your culture? Well, that's true. That's really true. But – if it does fit, that could make for a pretty good turnaround in 2023. And, you know, I was wondering if UTEP would go into the portal to get themselves another quarterback to uh, at least compete with Gavin Hardison. And the answer right now is no, they haven't. And does it surprise you a little bit that, especially after last season, the Miners aren't at least trying to bring in uh, an experienced vet at that spot to try to push Gavin a little bit more heading into uh, fall camp? For me, yes, it was a little surprising. And, I, you know, it's interesting, too, because uh, Calvin Brownholds just a, a week and a half ago sent out his his uh, highlights, and then he had his current players uh, on Twitter, or players who just recently graduated, like Jadrian Taylor, yeah. uh, say that he should come back. So whether it's a transfer portal get or, you know, trying to convince Calvin Brownholds back uh, to come back for another year, I don't think it's going to happen. And point is, for me, for UTEP, I think uh, they'll stick with Hardison um, you know, for better or for worse, at that quarterback spot, and no one will challenge him at that spot unless you're a junior college guy that they're going to get in the spring ball to come into the mix and barely learn the offense. Is it surprising at any level that Dana Dimmel is really putting his coaching career at UTEP into the hands of Gavin again in 2023 rather than maybe? Um, look out uh, outside to try to find someone that perhaps has a uh, you know just a, a a better resume that could come in here and, and try to just take UTEP to that next step. I think a lot of fans would consider that a big surprise. I do, I, and I think that if you know uh, head coach Dana Dimmel and you know the loyalty he has toward quarterbacks, I think. It wouldn't come as a surprise to you. So, like, uh, my, my best example is Kyle Loxley with all the adversity he dealt with uh, and the off-the-field issues that he got himself into. Uh, the, 
Dana Dimmel stuck with him throughout that last season. I mean, he did not uh, move forward, move on from him. Uh, had a team, you know, players only meeting, uh, team meeting or whatever, and had people vote on uh, whether or not Kyloxy would remain on the team. And uh, they had Kyloxy coming back. So. Loyalty, I would say, is one of the uh, key traits uh, to Dana Dimmel. And um, I, I guess if you know him in that respect, you're not surprised that he's sticking with Gavin Hardison. No, I understand that. Um, and I got a line ringing in. I get it. Uh, I just know that, you know, there's other other programs doing some things. And, and we saw when, when Calvin came on board, at least in that UTSA game, what the Miners were able to do. And all of a sudden, it, it, it just gave fans uh, an opportunity to think a little bit. That's all it did. Gave them a chance to kind of consider that, um, you know, there are other options out there. And the only question is, um, what do you do? Do you just uh, completely tell, uh, your, you know, the guy that's been running the show for you the last couple of seasons, you're back again and hope for uh, an improvement this time around? Or do you try to push him? Or do, are you worried that if you go into the portal and you bring an experienced Division One quarterback in, Gavin Bolts, I mean, is that is that a fear? Because nowadays, as soon as uh, teams decide to make something kind of uh, bring competition, the easy answer is, well, then just leave instead of go out and compete and try to earn that spot. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like um, you know, I'll, I'll give a, I'll throw out an I guess an example, but at a higher level is Frank Harris with UTSA returning for another year. Um, with him coming back, UTSA could still get um, their picking of quarterbacks that they want out of the portal. Yep. You're not telling me that Jeff Trailer can't go out and recruit some of these top name guys in the portal. Well, he definitely could, but they stick with Frank Harris. That's the loyalty with the, with uh, their head coach and their quarterback. And you know, for better or for worse, maybe Dana Dimmel looks at Gavin Hardison and says, hey, he helped lead our team to a, a bowl game two years ago. Maybe we can get it back. Maybe we can get him back to that form this upcoming season at a full healthy year. That's another thing. I mean, Gavin you didn't You can't, though, but you can't compare Frank Harris to Gavin Hardison. You just can't. Frank Harris threw for 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. I mean, if, if Gavin Hardison put anywhere close to those numbers together, you would be begging him to come back. And, and, and play another year at the starting spot, right? Because Frank Harris, those are numbers that any university would take. I mean, 4,000 yards, 32 and 9. I mean, those are those are terrific stats. And then I don't even know what he rushed uh, on top of that, but I'm sure he had some rushing yards where he went in because he's a, he's a good mobile quarterback. So uh, he also had, on top of that, 600 rushing yards and 9 touchdowns. So let's think about this for a second. He... He had 41 touchdowns, 32 in the air, 9 on the ground, 9 picks. So if I was UTSA, I wouldn't bring anybody else to, to compete with Frank Harris. That's your franchise. That's your quarterback, and you're lucky to get him back for another year, right? Here's my uh, better example, okay? Chris Reynolds from Charlotte. And you might have to face the music that Chris Reynolds and Will Healy uh, yeah. and uh, and the 49ers faced if you run it back. Will Healy bet on Chris Reynolds. Will Will Healy thought that Chris Reynolds would be the guy at the That's quarterback true. spot for him. Uh, he threw for 2,500 passing yards this year. And uh, you look at what Charlotte did. They, they want to kind of uh, look to overhaul and uh, change their whole program in the, in the coming years. And Charlotte was not uh, as great of a football team as they were projected going into the year that's a good example i like that one a lot i just i'm just saying with frank harris too good the numbers are too yeah, good he's the top player in the conference yeah 
Yeah, and, and one of the better quarterbacks around. Absolutely. All right, 44 pass. We'll come back. More phone calls, more sports talk right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, nine in front of six as we continue and uh, get you ready for uh, the final hour of Sports Talk, 505-6009. That's our telephone number, 505-6009 gets you through to the show. Esteban just tweeted the program, how is Gavin not a veteran? Oh, he's a vet. He's a seasoned vet. What I'm, I guess what I meant by that is someone who also has experience like Gavin that's available on the portal, okay? Gavin's, a, Gavin's of course, he's a veteran. So uh, just, you know, don't try to, to, to take those, that word out of context. It's just when you're looking in the portal, you also need somebody that can come in and compete with them. I mean, they haven't had anybody to compete with in the last few years. And it kind of makes you wonder after watching Calvin Brownholtz uh, these last, those last few weeks of the season – had they given him more of an opportunity, what could have happened? I, I don't know. I mean, Calvin knew his role. He knew his role was to be a, a backup if if, if uh, Gavin got hurt. He also knew his role was to run the Wildcat and, and do that. But, you know, we realized, I guess, that there was more to uh, Calvin Brownholtz than just being under center and, and trying to run with the football. I think if we had, and uh, I don't want to speak for him, but I'm just guessing on this and being and speculating on this, but if we had Gavin here in studio, I think he would tell you, his argument would be, well, I was injured at the end of the season. How could you say, you know, I, I'm ready to redeem myself. How, I, want, I'm, I have a bitter taste in my mouth for how the season ended, and I want to come back and, and show what I could do, but I was hurt in the final stretch of the season. So it's kind of the unknown with Gavin as well, even though he played poorly through some of the games in Conference USA play before he got injured. Yep. Um, 53 now past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. I see somebody on line one. Uh, is it a call or no? Okay, let me go to Enrique, who joins us next on the show. Enrique, how you doing? Hey, good evening, Cap. Good evening, Enrique. Uh, so I was uh, listening to you guys talk, and it brought up a question. So with the new receiver that we had going to the transfer portal, Yep. and in my opinion, I don't really see Conference USA sticking around much longer. Is UTEP going to have to start picking into the uh, transfer portal and pick into their pockets and start paying these students NIL to keep, not just keep students but to attract students? So, you know, we can kind of pretty ourselves up to be, you know, maybe looked at by Mountain, the MWC or other conferences. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They need that. They, they absolutely need an NIL in place for football. I wrote about that on the website yesterday, Enrique, and I'm happy you brought that up because, yes, they do need that. It's a wake-up call. And you need it for two reasons. One, to go out and get yourself good players in the portal. But number two, to try to take the good ones that are on on your program and keep them so they don't have to uh, look to explore other options the following season. Okay, and that brings up another question is, do you think students will use UTEP as a launching pad? You know, what I mean is they, they compete great, they have good numbers, and then they use that to jump to another school in the portal, like let's say Florida or Alabama. Absolutely. Absolutely. They will. But it's not just UTEP. I think the, I think every group of five will, will do the same thing. I think that's the reality that we're starting to see from the portal 
after these last uh, you know after these last few years. It's a great point you bring up, and we're going to talk more about that in our final hour. So I'm happy you mentioned that, Enrique. You kind of teed it up for us. So we're going to elaborate on this conversation and talk a lot more about it. So stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Final hour of Sports Talk is underway. Welcome back, everybody. Along with UTEP Zay, Adrian Broadus, The Real AB. I'm Kaplow here on Sports Talk. Steve Kaplowitz. 505-6009. That's our telephone number. Gets you right on in and through to the program. Good show for the first two hours. We're going to finish up and we're going to talk about what Enrique mentioned on the phone call last hour. And that is NIL, a um, better initiative for football after Tyron Smith hits the portal. But he mentioned some really interesting conversation, and especially the fact that will players try to use UTEP to springboard to uh, bigger opportunities? Well, the answer is they already have. Jeremiah Byers, look what he did. He chose Florida State over like a dozen power fives. You know his NIL deals in the six figures. You just know it is, okay? So... And who knows how much. I mean, it could be a huge NIL for uh, for Jeremiah. could be huge. And you know what? Good for him. If you don't know that you're going to make the NFL, uh, you hope you are, but you want to give yourself a little extra financial security while you're in college, why wouldn't you? I mean, why not? Now, in the case of Tyron Smith, um, you know, we've argued this on the show last couple of days, and Adrian, uh, the real AB, and, and Zay took a kind of the opposite approach I did. They said that, hey, you know what? If you want to go into the portal two years in a row and cash out after a thousand yard season, good for you. That's 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 your that, that's your right, and and it is. There's absolutely no arguing that. My uh, biggest gripe with the Tyron Smith situation was when he went in a year ago. Right after uh, Jacob Cowing went in. Because remember, Cowing went into the portal and then almost at the exact same time, so did uh, Tyron Smith. And then you already knew that you were going to lose um, your other big name due to graduation. Um, at that point, Tyron Smith didn't have enough offers. So UTEP took him back, made him their number one receiver, and he had a really good year. Um, started out slow, dropped some balls early on, and kind of struggled out of the gate. But man, thousand yards receiving, seven touchdowns, big catch after big catch. Now he's back in the portal, and you know he's going to probably get uh, at least some kind of NIL payday. And the only question is going to be whether he still goes Group of Five or Power Five. And we don't know yet. We'll see how that uh, how that works out. But guys, and and, uh, and Zay, I'll get your thoughts on this too. Um, I absolutely believe that UTEP needs to put NIL in place for football for two reasons. You know, go out and get yourself some players from the portal. That's important, even though they've really relied mostly on JUCO talent, not the portal. And number two, figure out ways to keep your core talent 
uh, with those NIL deals rather than go into the portal and explore someplace else. Yeah, that's a really good point. I feel like um, you, for the bigger programs, even for uh, the group of five programs in Conference USA, they probably go to an offseason with a number, uh, a figure, a dollar amount in mind, thinking, hey, we are going to budget 70000 for NIL dollars and opportunities for all the incoming uh, transfers that we get, and we will disperse them out either equally or we'll go, we'll save, uh, you know, a majority of that for one specific player. Uh, so some other schools will say, hey, look, what we want to do is bring premier talent, so we are willing to spend money. So we'll go case by case, player by player, and we'll negotiate for some of these guys. I, you know, I would not be surprised whatsoever if guys like Hank Bachmeyer from La Tech are receiving significant NIL dollars yep. because he was a coveted player in the transfer portal coming from Boise State. So uh, for UTEP to just hang in the game, the, uh, the NIL is not something that they can hope for. It's becoming a necessity for UTEP football and for uh, this football program as we move forward. I'm with you. Zay, your thoughts? Yeah, I think UTEP definitely needs something uh, like an NIL collective in place. Maybe not not for everybody because maybe they won't have enough. Maybe they don't, you know, just something to start, something to give your star players to at least have a chance to, to keep them, you know? that That's really the big thing there. It's true, yet... Um, I don't know how large it's going to be because the minor collective for basketball was designed really at 13 athletes, okay? And and basketball is 13. Football, you have 85. There is a major, major difference between the two. Not to mention, Dana Dimmel is more comfortable going out and getting JUCO players than he is transfer portal players. Because we've seen it the last few years. As everybody's hitting the portal, he's more aggressive as far as JC players go. And he's got some of his favorites. Uh, junior colleges like Kilgore, Tyler, places that uh, you know he's, he's been able to grab uh, the majority of his talent from. But you have to be able to at least have that conversation where... You approach a a player that could be first team all conference or having a breakthrough season and say, you know what, it's been you know you had a great year. Hey, we want to at least uh, try to help take care of you a little bit. Stick with us. We've got this kind of an NIL package for you to keep you here. And I get the reservations behind that if you're on the coaching side or the administration side, right? Because that could create something like entitlement. I mean, it will. It will. And yeah, it definitely will. I feel like for players who could be all conference selections, guys who are coming back with a lot of notoriety under their belt for this UTEP football team, it could create entitlement if they were the first to be awarded NIL dollars. They're thinking to themselves, hey, I already am. I'm getting this kind of money right here. My starting spots, uh, it's it's safe. We're good. Um, I don't need anything to. I don't need to worry about anything. But that kind of hurts and could stunt your uh, progression or development within this football team. So it hurts, right? And then at the same time, let's say I'll just I'll just throw out a random position group. But let's say uh, they focus 
$10,000 to their running back group, okay? Well, what if you're like a backup or, or a non-scholarship play, player at the running back position? The NIL does give you motivation to try to work hard to become a starter and to earn that at NIL eventually, but it hurts you in the short term that you might think, eh, I'm not going to go that hard at practice today knowing that the starter ahead of me is making XYZ from NIL dollars. Yeah, but think about this too. If that starter ahead of you leaves after that year, maybe he takes his NIL and cashes in someplace else. Suddenly, you become that guy. Right. So you don't want to you don't want to dog it too much, or otherwise they're going to find another somebody else to replace him, not you. So there's a lot of ways to look at it. I mean, New Mexico State just won a bowl game. They already have an NIL system in place. I don't know how much money they're spending, but I am familiar with who's running their NIL uh, initiative. So you know that as they go into Conference USA and try to build off of their football season, they are going to stay very, very aggressive with their NIL that they've put in place. And they're going to want to surpass UTEP for good and and go win a Conference USA championship next season when they come into this league, along with Liberty, Jacksonville State, in Sam Houston. That's going to be a big deal for them. So they already have plans. Louisiana Tech wants to win. Western Kentucky wants to win. Middle Tennessee State wants to win. They all want to win, right? So now, if you're UTEP, you have to keep up with the Joneses. You cannot fall behind because what will happen will be uh, the program will not will not take that next step or go backwards while everybody else is more aggressive in the NIL world and watch their investments pay off. You know, it's, it's so interesting you say it that way, Steve, because uh, my head immediately goes to Bill Clark, the former UAB head coach uh, who last offseason retired unexpectedly. And after the fact, uh, Sports Illustrated did a story with him talking about how difficult it is as a head coach to navigate these NIL the transfer portal yep. and how exhausting it really is because imagine one day thinking everything is is good and everything is clear and the next day you have an opposing coach in your current players dms or on their phone calling them up saying hey are you making any money over there in El Paso? We could bring you over here uh, to where we really play football, and we'll pay you to play football here at the college level. What, how much are you getting over there in scholarships? Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that's the messy and ugly part of, of uh, college football, but it, it's, the, it's the reality of uh, why a lot of these coaches are deciding to walk away or why other coaches have not had success in the, uh, the new NIL and transfer portal world of football. Now, here's my question when it comes to Hank Bachmeyer, okay? He claims that the reason he left or went to Louisiana Tech is that he wants to play for Sonny Cumby and he wants to go into that air raid. And I agree with that because he probably does because he knows it'll fit him personally. But you know there are NIL dollars attached to this. Now, we don't know how much. We don't know if it's $50,000, $100,000, a quarter of a million dollars. Who knows how much? But they're they're. You could say all you want in the article that you wanted to play for Sonny Cumbie in the air raid, but NIL has to be part of that decision, right? 
It does. And when I was, uh, I just looked up La Tech NIL Collective, and the first thing that came up is top Louisiana Tech NIL players, like guys who are making uh, reported dollars from certain areas. So uh, On3 Sports for NIL actually has rankings, and they actually give dollar amounts on some of these players, which is insane. That is insane. I'll send um, this to you. I, I need to see that. That sounds fascinating to me. It really does. All right, 505-6009. That's our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. And again, would love to uh, hear from you as we take you up till 7 o'clock here on a Wednesday. Uh, first, want to tell you a story about Gina and her mother. You know what they needed to do? They needed to sell their home in central El Paso. And they knew that uh, it's all about trust. So when it came to Brian Bird's and the Brian Bird's home selling team powered by EXP Realty, they trusted them with the task. And then they got the expert advice. The home was listed. That was very important. Listed at $220,000. However, Brian's unrivaled marketing went to work. The home was sold within a week. $19,000 over the list price. And guess what? That closing was timed so that Gina and her mom could start their new chapter in a new year. Now, if you want to achieve top dollar for your home just like Gina and her mom, you need that agent who can create an auction-like effect. Buyers competing for your home and driving up the price. Exactly what Brian Birds will do for you. And he's got this great Coming Soon Homes program where homes listed with him are sold within minutes because his buyers get a free head start. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home is Brian Birds. Online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. Hey, El Paso, have you heard? To sell your home, get Call Brian Birds. Go to brianbirds.com. Oh, nine. That is our telephone number. So Adrian and and um, Zay found a really interesting website out. It's called onthenumber3.com, on3.com, and it's all about NIL. In fact, they got a whole NIL thing going here. They've got a, a section on collectives, a section on rankings, a section on deal trackers, news, high school, college. It's about as NIL um, comprehensive as you're going to find. They even have an NIL algorithm on how they value players who have um, made themselves quote-unquote official verified athletes through the On3 system. And the algorithm includes uh, data involving performance influence and their and their overall exposure so if you're an athlete on utep and you just want to see what your nil value could look like you could submit your phone uh, form onto this on three nil website and it'll calculate it for you that's very cool um the minor collective is on this nil website in case you're wondering utsa has one called runners rising it focuses on football basketball and baseball started in early 2022 with the goal of helping University of Texas at San Antonio student-athletes. Yeah, uh, La Tech has one called, um, it's called Thrive, and so they have one as well. I know UAB's is huge. That's huge. A, that's one of the more uh, prominent ones you'll find in any of the group of five or mid-majors. Theirs is called the Southside Solution. That just screams dollars, Steve. The Southside Solution? I love that name. <laughs> That is awesome. That is a good one. I like that too. Um, So this is really interesting just because you can go up and down the list and see the schools that at least according to this 
are listed. By the way, fear the wave for Tulane, focusing on football, some basketball, and baseball. That was launched in January of 2022. So you wonder about how great Tulane has become in football. Well, maybe fear the wave is a big reason why. Yeah, I like that name, by the way. I feel like that's a really cool one, and it shows you, hey, money talks when it comes to a lot of these athletes. People might not like to hear that. Um, I get it. It does devalue some of the integrity when it comes to the sport, but still, uh, this matters to a lot of people, and it matters to a lot of these student-athletes. Some schools have multiple NILs in place. Like, look at Central Florida, okay? They've got mission control, primarily focused on football, and their logo is at the Space Shuttle, which is super cool. Um, there's the Orlando NIL Club, which is a player-led collective. How interesting is that? Wow. Player-led collective. And they also have the Kingdom NIL, focusing on football and basketball. And this is what they want to do. I mean, this is, you know, the, the beauty of, of NIL is a lot of these schools have multiple there's the men of Westwood for basketball for UCLA. There's the Westwood NIL club for football. And uh, that's just you know how they build it. That is so interesting. I'm looking up just other, other uh, universities who have multiple. Uh, how about Florida State having multiple for just their football team, Steve? So imagine that, just having that at your exposure. Hey, well, we could, do, we could have one NIL who focuses on the current scholarship players, one yep. NIL collective who focuses on transfer portal and recruiting, and then the other NIL who could focus on others. How about this? UNLV has their collective, and it's called Friends of UNILV. Ah, that's a good one. I love it. That's and the logo one. is like NIL in the middle with the U on the uh, left and the V on the right. So, yeah, and it's interesting. It's, uh, it, it is. It's very, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff you want to look at as a, uh, as a fan. You want to see. Uh, by the way, I know New Mexico State has an NIL. That I know for a fact. It's not listed on this yet. So it must be still like being established or they just haven't publicized it like the Minor Collective has. A couple other names I really like, Steve. Uh, speaking of uh, just the names that we're mentioning, this is Sparta for Michigan State. Um, how about this one? The foundation for the Ohio State University. And uh, you have Pack of Wolves for North Carolina State University. That is super cool. You know Nebraska has five NILs? Wait, really? Five. Oh, There's man. the Big Red Fan Club. There's the Lincoln NIL Club. There's N100. There's the 1890 Initiative. And there's the Big Red Collaborative. Can you imagine if you're Nebraska, okay? You've got five NILs in place. There should be no shortage of dollars to go out and get student athletes when you're in Nebraska, or a coach like uh, Matt Rule, who you had to, you know, you had to go out and uh, pay out all the money that you had to uh, do for the previous coach in his buyout, and then uh, attract a coach with the intentions that hey, we have the money behind us to go out and spend money on players. So yeah. uh, for when you're trying to attract top, top level coaches, uh, it's good to know that you'll have a lot of money for those recruits. Texas has four, Austin NIL club focusing on football. Clark Field Collective, focusing on football. Horns with Heart, the primary focus is football. And how about this? OLF, Occupy Left Field, with the primary focus on baseball. Wow, that's a really cool one. That's an awesome Occupy Left Field. I'd love to know who started that one. Um, for Miami U, 
bring back the U. That's theirs. Uh, I like that one. Um, and then this one, as far as uh, now, this is an interesting one um, for the University of Arizona. Theirs is called uh, Friends of Wilbur and Wilma. What is that? I love that. I don't that. know, man. But these names, these these NILs are amazing. They really are. There are some. There are some fascinating, fascinating names uh, as we we you know go through and, and and look at all these. So you're right about that. Um, East Carolina, the Pirates have one called Team Boneyard, and the O in Bone is a uh, pirate. Like it's like a skull with the uh, with that. That's that's pretty good too. Team Boneyard. Wichita State has one for women's basketball. So Keitha Adam has her own NIL collective called the Ladies Shock Squad. They pr- primarily focuses on women's basketball and some women's golf. Okay, that's good. Oh, that's a good one. I like that too. I like that. So yes, this is you know something to check out. We need to figure out some new uh, UTEP NIL collective names. Okay, so uh, we got to think of those. So we've had some really good monikers on social media and stuff like that, but we need to think of NIL collective names that can uh, uh, you know compete with some of the best ones that we just reeled off. Well, we already know that the minor collective is there for basketball. Football needs their own. So if you were going to name, let's say, a football NIL for UTEP. What would you call it? This is tough. I got I got a brainstorm in my head. It, maybe something with Pete. Um, True. Maybe something Peter Pete. That could that could go with something like that. Um, we got we got a brain brainstorm on this. This is good. We do. We we really do. So um, you know maybe they, maybe they play off the Sun Bowl. Texas Western, like the Texas Western Collective, the TWC. Yep, TWC Texas, Texas Western, Western Collective. Collective. That's not bad. I'm actually surprised that they haven't done TWC yet. You can even steal the logo. It's not like UTEP's going to sue you for it because it's going to raise money for the football program anyway. You might as well just do it now and get it over with because you know that they're not going to tell you they're not going to give you a cease and desist since the money's going to the football program anyway. I think this could definitely work. Um, I, there's a lot of good ones. Pickaxe. You could do yeah. something with pickaxe. That would like be that. that would be pretty good. Um, I like some of these right now. I like where we're I like where we're going with this. I do. And I think our listeners are probably getting some good ideas too. I mean, you know, they need and, and by the way, I really believe that a football collective is in the works. I do. I wouldn't be surprised if it's already been established. Maybe we just don't know it yet, but you know what? I'm willing to bet something's been done. I, I got an idea. This is a perfect name. It's got to be Pete's Mineshaft. Come on. That that one's perfect. Pete's Mineshaft. Okay, sounds like a beer. <laughs> sounds like an IPA I'd be drinking right now. What would you like? I, I, can I get a, a Pete's Mineshaft, please, on draft and uh, have one of those? You can use it for that, too. All right. That's not a bad not a bad idea. So I do like TWC, though. I do think Texas Western Collective is pretty cool. Even Sun Bowl Collective could be interesting. SBC? Yeah, SBC. Okay. It's not bad either. Um, if you have ideas, let us know. Don Haskins Collective. Could we do some or Haskins Collective, something like that, down the line for basketball? You know what? Or, or the Bear. The Bear. The Bear. I like that. The Bear Collective. Mm-hmm. Instead of the word collective, you know, because I'm looking at some of these things. They've got squad, trust, um, let me see, strategies, club. The Bear Strategies. Let's see what else we can find that looks interesting here. Um, 
Hmm. What else? What else? What else? You also have locker room. You have uh, friends of. If I was friends of the bear, that would be pretty good. Um, wow. Wake Forest. Roll the quad. Oh, that's such a good one. Wow. The Man. quad must be awesome out there. It, 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 roll the quad. That's their, that's their NIL. I love it. All right. Hey, bottom of the hour. If you've got ideas, either tweet it to us, 600 ESPN El Paso. Message us on our mobile app, powered by First American Bank, or just call into the show, 505-6009. Let's send it back to Adrian one last time. This bottom of the hour sports center updates next. Good stuff, Adrian. How about this one? A um, NIL deal for track and field athletes, and call it no kidding. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. I mean, you know, I just I, once once again just trying to come up with fun NIL names for Utah. But I do think no kidding would be pretty good. Glory Road Club, that kind of thing. Could do something like that, maybe. Um, could do Pete's stash, you know, stash of money. Pete's stash. Pete's oh, I like that too. Pete's stash. That just you're just basically telling athletes you're gonna pay them is what you're doing. That's just yes. right there. That's it, right? We're not even sugarcoating this. You're just gonna get a stash of cash, baby. I was thinking Pete's gold, but now you don't want to tell me you're getting gold. <laughs> They're probably gonna get, you know. Uh, a, a, a nice, a decent amount of money if, they, if this ever comes to fruition. So this tweet comes in. Uh, TWC is too close to Time Warner, Time Warner Cable. That's hilarious. Um, since we know it's a stepping stone school, why not first step UTEP? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's harsh. And then he wraps it up with, yes, Baba Bowie lives. Except he misspelled Bowie and put Baba Nui. But it's uh, Baba Booey. Nice job. Welcome back. Yeah, his last tweet was probably, well, let's see. When did he send a tweet? His last tweet was uh, September 14th of 2020. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was thinking to myself, around pandemic time. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, two and a half years later, he's back on Twitter. Good for you, Baba Booey. Appreciate that, man. Remembered the password. That's right. That's the hardest part about this stuff is you forget your password and you're you're out of luck. So that's 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 a really good point. All right. 35 past the hour, 505-6009, our telephone number. But if you have any good NIL ideas, uh, Zay, keep throwing some zingers out there. What do you have for us? Oh, man, I don't know. I really like that Pete stash. But you got to spell stash like mustache, right? Like Pete stash. You know what I'm saying? No, you know what I mean? you're spelling it S-T-A-S-H. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do it with a little apostrophe as well, something like that? Yeah. If you just call it Pete's Cash. Yeah, I, I think that could work too. Yeah. Oh, you're trying to not really sugarcoat anything. You just want to tell everybody what it is. I don't know. Those are all good ideas, guys. Those are those are solid. Now we just need donors, right? <laughs> yep, that's true. People that would, would give. Um, see, here's my thing. I believe that if an NIL was established right... And fans knew that all the money given would go into like a, you know, a pool that could be used for uh, for fans helping football players out. That it would be big, but like, let's just say you start an NIL for football, right? Fans only, fans, and pretty soon you raise a hundred thousand dollars. 
Now what? Now yeah, what? That's a great. That's a great point because what do you do? You take uh, ten best players and give them all ten thousand. You take twenty players on the roster and give them five grand each. It's you go tough. into the portal and go spend a hundred grand on a five star. Yeah, like uh, yeah, all all eggs in one basket. I, and I, here's and here's the problem too. Okay, every single fan that gives money is going to have their opinion on what to do with it. So if you have a you have a this nil collective. And let's say you raise $100,000 and you get, you know, 5,000 people pitching in. That means how is one person going to have the uh, the authority to to manage that? Right. You know, how far does your dollar actually go? And does your dollar have any kind of say when it comes to these players, whether they're on the team or uh, whether you just kind of trust the coaches yes. to recruit somebody to, yes. to be on the team? Uh, Esteban. GDC, Gold Diggers Collective. Great one. That's excellent. Good stuff, Esteban. See, there you know. You're not even trying to trying to disguise it. It's the Gold Diggers, right? That's what it's about. Digging for gold to UTEP. Otherwise known as paying athletes. <laughs> it's just it's 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 hilarious. But no, what do you do? So you put this collective together for football. You get all this money. All these people donate, but how do you how do you divvy that up? What would you do, Zay? I don't even know. Well, I don't. You got to give it like to your ten best players, I guess. But it, it's tough. I mean, this is you. We need to bring on an nil just just genius. That would be a perfect idea. Give it to your ten best players, right? What if five of them leave after the year? Then you feel like you just paid them. You just paid them fifty grand for nothing. See, that's the problem with NIL because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Because maybe ten thousand isn't enough to keep a guy that's, like Tyron Smith. Maybe, that's true. Maybe he needs more. That's true. You never, you you just don't know. By the way, what was uh, what was Tyron Smith's approximate value according to uh, on three dot com? They say one hundred forty one thousand dollars. Get out of here. That's what it says. <clears throat> The, His I, value is 141k. Well, yes, that's what it says here. And no wonder uh, they for lost Jeremiah them. Byers, it says 209,000. No wonder they lost these guys. I mean, 141,000 dollars. Come on. I just sent you the rankings for you. It says the top UTEP NIL player rankings, and it'll rank former UTEP players and current players who've uh, entered their name in this system. Really. Yes. Well, Jacob Cowing has got to be the biggest of the group, right? Well, I think they don't. I mean, it's like 2023 or like 2022, 2023. So uh, I, I would f- I'd feel that, uh, yeah, somebody like him could garner a ton of money. He's just not on here. You have to actually put yourself on here as an athlete. You know what's hilarious? After Byers and Tyron Smith, the, th- the third most uh, like valued player is uh, Jacoby Longino at uh, 16 grand. Yeah. So you go from 141000 to $16,000. Yeah, and and it takes into consideration where they are, what level they are, and also how much how many followers they have on social media. Ah, that's what it's about. I see. So your brand value, your performance, your influence, your exposure. So I think, um, yeah, this is interesting. Um, Tyron Smith has like three point one thousand on Instagram and one point three thousand on Twitter, whereas Byers, who just went to Florida State. 907 on Instagram, two and a half, uh, 2.5, uh, thousand, you know, two and a half thousand on, on Twitter. That's really interesting. It's a fascinating discussion, folks. It is. NIL is, uh, 
man, it's a world of its own. Let's be honest. We're, you know, we're just kind of trying to understand this. We're trying to come to grips with NIL, trying to figure out, you know, how to get ahead of it, how to, um, how to play the game and play it right. That's, that's not easy. That is not easy. Let's see what Mike has to say. He joins us next, 20 in front of 7. Final countdown coming up here on Sports Talk. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Hey, Capelo and AB. I heard your interview a couple hours ago with Earl Campbell's son, Tyler. That was, that was awesome. Appreciate that, Mike. Thanks very much, man. That's awesome. Hey, Capelo. So, anyway, several years ago, probably about, I don't know, maybe 15, there was a store coming up on the east side, Gander Mountain. You may remember. Yeah, I do actually went to that one. Yeah, uh-huh. I think. So I there think was uh, yeah. Errol Campbell actually went there one Saturday morning afternoon to. Wow. Uh, I think the store was just opening or as representing the store. Yeah. I being a bonehead that I was, not didn't know anything about it. Showed up with my Sooner gear on, but there's a big crowd out there, and it was, he's, he's signing autographs, taking pictures, doing all the thing. His son's mingling, great, and then his son picks me out. He says, "Dad, this guy didn't get the message." Ooh, oh, okay. wait, 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 what were you wearing? What kind of shirt? An OU shirt. Oh, my God. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Did you, did you try to tell that to the kid? Did you tell him? No, his son said, Dad, this guy didn't get the message. And he kind of pointed me out out of the crowd. I'm like. Uh-oh. They start booing you? What did they do to you? I was just spectating. And did long they... story short, he said, get him in line. Oh, shit. I mean, oh, shoot. So anyway, I get in line, and, uh, you know, Sorry, Mr. Campbell, I think it's a message. Uh, I went to warn this respectively, but I respect the way you played the game. Yeah. At UT, you know, Heisman Trophy, the whole nine yards, and then in the NFL with Bum Phillips. And, um, you know, again, I, I wouldn't have, not have done this. I, I know. And he just said, you know what? That's all right. And he whipped out a picture, signed it. Here you go, sir. Thanks. All class, man. All class. Oh, yeah, great people. And, you know, you hear the stories how bad he's, he's, his body is and the mm-hmm. genetics of everything with him and his son. It's really sad. But no, great people. Well, all I can tell you is this. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you did you did good, Mike. That's a that's a good ending. I like that story, and I'm happy you shared that with us on the show today. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's just kind of sad how all the genetics and everything caught up with them and the football and the everything but he had a really positive attitude and hopefully he'll um you know continue moving forward good job man appreciate the call mike thanks for getting in no you're welcome all right good stuff um you know that's the thing about earl campbell we brought him in for our sports expert he was amazing we had so much fun he signed so many autographs do you know people don't even understand this okay we brought in here's some of the guys we brought in over the years earl campbell tony dorsett des bryant um, we brought in Pete Rose, Tim Hardaway, um, Juan Marichal, Steve Garvey, Daryl Moose Johnson. I mean, it was a who's who over those years. We brought in Danny White came in for our event. Um, you know, Calvin Murphy was here as well. Um, a lot of Cowboys. Uh, Cole Beasley was here, brought him in. Um, Jason, we didn't have Jason Witten, but we had um, Jay Novacek here as well. Just so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Pudge Rodriguez. I mean, yeah, big time. And Earl Campbell was great, absolutely great. You know, Caplo, one of the things that I always regret here being here is never being a part of those uh, sports expos. Well, maybe one of these days, Real AB, you'll actually get an opportunity to take advantage of all that <laughs> and make it happen. That would be uh, that would be great. Come back, wrap it up next. Put a 
put a bow on this show. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.